Welcome to 2022. In all the time zones all around the world, now I guess it's safe to say that the new year has officially begun. This morning, no big surprise here, I know, but this morning also marks the first Lord's Day of the new year, 2022, with another 51 to come if the Lord does not come to take us home during that same time span. Past Friday night, we had the opportunity presented to get together and to spend some time with some fellowship and see out the old year together for those who could do that, to have some food and fun and fellowship and to be able to wish one another a happy new year for those who made it all the way through to the end. You know, if each one of us had one dollar for each and every time that phrase, Happy New Year, were said all around the world in the past 48 hours, we would all be rich beyond our wildest imaginations, monetarily that is. But despite the best of those wishes, despite the multitudinous millions of those wishes, or despite the intensity of the best intentions of those wishes, as we all know, they are still only at best simply wishes. And those wishes, Happy New Year, won't necessarily, just by saying it, make it happen any more than they did a year ago, or two years ago, or three years ago, or four years ago. You get the hint, I don't have to go to 100, right? I mean, didn't a lot of folks at the end of 2019, going into 2020, wish everybody a Happy New Year all around the world millions of times, and look what happened in the middle of March. Wasn't exactly the happiest of New Year's. And the point is that I, I'm trying to make this morning is that, that while new things are awesome, they are, new, new cars, new houses, new things, all nice to have, and, and they truly are. But the point is, is that just because something is new does not necessarily mean by virtue of it simply being new alone that it is automatically or necessarily going to be a good or joyful thing for those involved with it. Think about that. Think about some new things in the scriptures that were not good. Just because they were new and based on being new alone, that did not inherently make them good. For example, in Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, it says, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he set taskmasters over God's people to afflict them with burdens. You remember that? Now, like I said, new things are awesome. They're wonderful. But, but just because they're new doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good for everybody involved with them. That certainly wasn't. If you'll open your Bibles this morning to Numbers chapter 16, we'll see another example of this. And, and I want to share several examples of this because I really, I really need for us to see how 
widespread this is, before we get into the punchline of the lesson, as it were. In Numbers chapter 16, you'll remember the story of Korah and Dathan and Abiram. Those three men stirred up a rebellion and along with 250 other leaders and men of renown, the scripture says, they rebelled against God's anointed leadership in Numbers 16. And we pick up in Numbers chapter 16 and verse 28, and you can read of the, the rebellion and, and some of the dynamics thereof in the rest of the chapter, but for time's sake, at, at the end of this, in, in Numbers chapter 16, verse 28, Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally, like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. Pretty easy. Moses said, look, if these guys die of old age or they die of natural causes, then I'm not the Lord's anointed. Fair enough. Here's the contest. But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens up its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. And of course we know it came to pass as he finished speaking these words, the ground split apart under them. The earth opened up its mouth, swallowed them up with their households and all their men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed over them and they perished among the assembly. What a terrible and frightening thing, but it was a new thing. But it certainly wasn't good for all involved as that earth opened up and, and they and their families and all their goods fell into it and, and, and the earth just came back together. That was not a good thing. It was new, but it wasn't good. <laughs> not for those involved. And same thing with the fire in verse 35, coming down and destroying that 250 men who were with them. Just another example of how something just necessarily because it's new doesn't always mean it's going to be automatically good or joyful be the example of God's Old Testament people. And they were getting ready to cross into the Promised Land. When they were getting ready to cross into the Promised Land, Moses reminded them of their history. He reminded them of their heritage and how God had rescued and cared for them and their ancestors. But then how, according to Deuteronomy 32, 16 through 20, Moses said, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed the demons, not to God. To gods, listen to this, to gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. They brought in all these new gods. And we know today that all these new worship styles that are not according to what God said are not good for those involved with them. I would have us turn, please, to 1 Chronicles 13. And as we talk about this this morning, this has some real parallels to this time of year. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Then David consulted 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 1. Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, as I read that, I think, well, maybe he's got a little reverse order there going on. Should probably check with God. But anyway, 
If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and Levites who are in their cities and their common lands, that they may gather together to us, and let us bring the ark of our God back to us, since we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. And all the assembly said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. They said, this is a great idea, let's do it. So they did it. Verse 5, David gathered all Israel together from Shihor in Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from kiriath Jerim. And David and all Israel went up to Bala, to kirjath Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of the Lord of God who dwells between the cherubim where his name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ohio drove the cart. And David and all Israel played music before God with all their might. Notice the big celebration was with singing, harps, stringed instruments, tambourines, cymbals, and with trumpets. Huge fanfare. Huge, great idea. Bring the ark back. Let's, let's, let's have the ark back here where it belongs amongst God's people so that we can inquire of it. This is good stuff. And and they've got this big celebration going on, and it says in verse 9, when they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Again, understand, getting the ark back was an awesome thing. That was a good idea. No wonder it seemed good to all the people. It's the way it was supposed to be. God's presence, as it were, back amongst his people at the place it was supposed to be. God's people were all for it. It wasn't for lack of fanfare or celebration. They are just having a party and a parade. They even put it on a new cart, like the Philistines had previously done, because even the pagans recognized that this God deserved the best they had to give him 1 Samuel 6, 1 through 8. So what was the problem? Why was Uzzah put to death? Well, we know. The reason Uzzah was put to death was this. Just because something is new, like David's cart, or this new year, or even heavily celebrated, like the return of the, of the ark, or another new year, does not always guarantee that it will always automatically, necessarily produce just goodness and happiness for those involved with it. What is far more important, what is the guarantee that is so much more important, what makes for so much more success and happiness in whatever the new endeavor is, is this, that it is all carried out in accordance with God's commandments. We see this as we look in the next two chapters up in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, 1 Chronicles, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles chapter 15. In verse 2, look what it says. Then David said, 
No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. David had a dumb moment. Ah, that's the whole problem. The cart, even though it's a new cart, that isn't what God asked for, even though it was new, that, that wasn't going to mean it was a good thing. What was a good thing was obeying God, period. And God had said, this is the way it's supposed to be done. And in fact, David afterwards, in verses 11 through 13 of, of 1 Chronicles 15, says, uh, he calls for Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab. And he said to him, you are the head of the father's houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God to Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For, because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. The thing that matters the most if you want to have true happiness is do things God's way, period. Just because it's a new year or a new time or a new this or a new that, that doesn't automatically make it good and happy. What makes it happy is to do it God's way. Because it was only then that they enjoyed the ultimate success and the height of happiness as we could read on in 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Chronicles, if I say that one more time, 1 Chronicles 15, verse 14, all the way through to 1643. And see, this is the point that God was trying to get across to his people in Jeremiah chapter 6, in verse 16, where he said, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But the people said, we're not going to do it. Or, if you want me to read it exactly, but they said, we will not walk in it. What was God trying to tell them? Don't go chasing after all this new stuff. All this new stuff, all this new way to worship, it's not going to bring you peace. It's not going to bring you happiness. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's going to make you happy. The best way to achieve happiness and peace and security and comfort and success is to seek the old path. Do it the way God said to do it. Remember the, <clears throat> excuse me, do you remember the highly religious, and they were religious, don't, don't miss that the highly religious Athenians of the Apostle Paul's day, just like so many millions of, of misled religious people today. They choose to try to find their peace and their happiness and their success in trying some new or exciting thing. Spending their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Paul wrote of the, or Luke wrote of the Athenians. And as we, if, if we were to look at that, I'm not going to, but if you're taking notes or, or you remember the passage, it's in Acts chapter 17, and it's verses 16 through 34, and, and these Athenians were always looking for some new thing, but when the truth of God showed up, and the Apostle Paul right in front of them and said, this is what you need to be doing, this is what God said, they totally missed that. Why'd they miss it? They missed it because all they wanted was some new thing, and they'd move on to the next new thing, and the next new thing, and the next new thing. And so, in doing that, they rejected the one most important and all-consuming thing that could bring them true happiness and lasting peace and security. And that was the old paths, gospel, that Paul taught them. And I'm going to say something now, and, and I want you to hear me out. Don't just react 
right at the beginning, but, but think about this. I, I'll make the point, just take me a minute. The fact is that even when God himself gives us something new, when God himself gives us something new that is even priceless beyond measure, whether it is the new covenant in his blood even, Luke 22 and verse 20, or this newness of life that we are supposed to arise and walk in after our baptism for the forgiveness of our sins, Acts 6, 3 and following, or even the gift of this new year that we have. When God gives us these new things, it is not even in the newness of those things that our joy or happiness is automatically guaranteed. But in our subsequent obedience to God, both to and throughout it. You say, wait a minute, Doug. The new covenant? Man, that should make everybody happy. That's the blood of Christ. Well, it didn't. It didn't. Stop and think about it. Even the priceless new covenant in Christ's blood did not automatically make or guarantee that everyone would be happy who had access to it just because it was something new. Let me give you examples. Were the rulers, the elders, the scribes, the high priest, and his family, were they excited about the new covenant in Acts chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7? No, they were not excited at all. They were none too pleased. The Jews in Damascus and Jerusalem certainly weren't very crazy about the New Covenant either. Acts 9, 20 through 29. Many of the folks in Pisidian Antioch didn't find a whole lot of happiness in the New Covenant. Acts chapter 13, 14 through 50. Neither did a lot of the Jews from a lot of other places, nor even a lot of the Gentiles either, from places like Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and so much of the known world at that time. When Paul went there and preached about the new covenant, they were not thrilled or excited at all. There were a lot of people that were not happy about the new covenant just because it was something new. Even, even amongst those who initially accepted the new covenant, even amongst those who initially accepted the truth of the new covenant in Christ's blood and, and they were baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, even a lot of those people, their continued happiness with the new covenant would not be dependent upon its newness, but upon whether or not they continued to obey God throughout it. You with me on this? Because let's face it, there were some, even those, and Christ talked about them in, in Matthew 13, 20 through 22, where he talked about the parable of the sower and how some would receive it with joy and it would be snatched up. And we have examples. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, they were Christians. They had initially gotten this, this new covenant. They were members of the church. They'd been baptized into Christ. They'd been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But it wasn't guaranteed that just because they were under something new or had received something new or were the beneficiaries of something new 
that just because it was new, it was always going to be happy times for them. We know what happened to them. Demas is another one in 2 Timothy 4.10. The Hebrews, to whom the book of the Hebrews is written, they were on the point of, of struggling with their faith. They were members of the New Covenant, but they were, they were so close to the edge and just throwing it all away. So, again, whatever it is, whether it's the New Covenant, the New Year, happiness is not found just in the fact it's new. True happiness is only found in any new thing based upon our obedience to God in it. Just because the covenant was new didn't guarantee happiness for all those who were part of it. But I'll tell you who it did bring. I'll tell you who the new covenant did bring happiness to. I'll tell you who the new covenant just thrilled to death, changed their lives. I'll tell you who the new covenant brought lasting peace and happiness. And that was to every single one who humbled themselves, obeyed God, and did his will throughout it as a result. Those people found happiness. Not because it was new, alone, but because in that new thing, they stuck with God. People like the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, you'll recall it said they gladly received his word and were baptized, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Those who were constantly together, taking care of one another and continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, eating their meals together. Here comes the word, eating their meals together with what? Gladness. There's happiness here. There's joy here. They're under the new covenant, yes, but so were some of those that didn't find happiness. The happiness was found in the new thing simply by making sure that you stuck with God and did his will throughout it all. That's what made it truly happy for them. Like the Ethiopian eunuch, heard the good news of the gospel, heard the good news of the new covenant in Christ's blood, what did he do with it? Humbled himself, believed it, obeyed it. What happened? Went on his way rejoicing. Remember those towns I mentioned earlier of Pisidian Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe? Remember those towns where people were angry with the New Covenant, chased Paul off, tried to kill him? Remember those towns? There were also people in those towns that were happy with the New Covenant. Who were they? They were those people who believed it, accepted it, and humbled themselves before God and did what God told them to do. In a similar vein this morning, I want us to think about the things I've said and to consider them in light of this gift of this new year that we have just begun. Let's face it, if we're realistic, and yes, this is meant to be an encouraging sermon, not a discouraging, but hang in there with me. We know that for all the pomp and circumstance, for all of the hope and celebration all over the world, and for all the potential and expressions of Happy New Year, 
that so many millions of people have made to one another, that for many of those self-same millions of people, this year too will end, just like so many years in the past have ended. For many of those same people that were wished a happy new year, this year will come to an end in a little under 12 months, in trouble, in turmoil, with many of those same millions of people glad to see 2022 gone so they can welcome in 2023 with Happy New Year, get to the end of 2023 and be glad to see it gone. Anyway, just as it's been for how many years previous to this? That same cycle will repeat itself over and over again just as it has for centuries. While so many people, so sadly, spend their entire lives, year after year after year after year after year after year after year, always in pursuit, but never in possession of the ever-elusive happiness that they believe is somehow bound up in that, that new year ahead just by virtue of its being new and maybe therefore just being different than the year that just went by, but as history shows us. Every year has enough trouble of its own, doesn't it? Every year has its struggles. Scripture is extremely clear. Brethren, we know this, but Scripture is extremely clear that real, true, lasting happiness, happy, 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 if I may, <laughs> that true and lasting happiness can only, only be found in loving, trusting, and obeying and serving the Lord God Almighty, no matter the year, no matter the place, no matter the circumstance, no matter the surroundings, that is the only place happiness is found, is it not? That lasts. Scripture says so. For examples, King David said in Psalm 144 in verse 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Folks, that don't have an expiration date on it. That's not for a certain year. As the psalmist wrote in Psalm 146 in verse 5, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in his God, whose hope is in the Lord his God. King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3.13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, meaning godly wisdom and godly understanding, of course. And finally, King Solomon in Proverbs 16.20 said, he who heeds the word wisely will find good and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Happy is he. So what we see in all of this is that the key to anybody's fulfilling their desire to have a truly happy and prosperous new year is not found in the whimsical wishes, the hope so hopes, or the hit or miss dreams they may have in mind as the new year begins. The same as they've had every year they were glad to see gone. The key, brethren, to having a truly happy, successful, fulfilling, and prosperous new year 
is to take your love and trust and obedience, knowledge of and service to God to a whole new level. If you want a happy new year, trouble's coming this year. Trouble comes every year. Look at history, right? You ever had a perfect, how many of you have ever had a perfect year, 365 days with no problems? Raise your hand. Point made. Our happiness is not based upon these whimsical wishes or, 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 or desires or, or wants. It's, it's not, it, that's not going to happen. We know that. But the Bible tells us, God tells us that true happiness is found in Him. So again, to have a truly happy new year is to take our love and trust and obedience and knowledge of and service to God to a whole new level. Let me give you some examples. Today's January 2nd. I did not check my calendar for exactly how the days fall, but at any rate, probably January 1st or 3rd next year will be Sunday. If 52 weeks from today, this very same time as we gather for worship during the first days, first Lord's Day of 2023, what if we could look back over these past 52 weeks, these past 12 months of 2022, and say this. Over the course of the past year, we've averaged roughly one baptism per week. Would that make you happy? Right? We could look back and say, we've averaged roughly a baptism a week in the past 12 months. Would that make you happy? Should send most of us over the roof. Of course it would make us happy. There's no doubt about the fact it would, it would make us happy. Would you say that would be a successful 2022? Uh-huh. What if, looking back, 52 weeks from today, over the past 12 months of 2022, we could say, well, our attendance has grown to an average of 150 a week. If that make you happy, raise your hand. Of course it would make us happy. We'd be delighted. That would be awesome. Would, would, listen, I'll tell you what it would do. Not only would it make you happy about 2022, 20, but think about this. If our attendance were to grow to 150 over the next 12 months, 2022, how many of us would that make anticipate with eager excitement 2023 and making it to 200? Right? Right? What if we could look back 12 months from today at 2020, at 2022 and say, you know, we got so many kids going to Tri-State that we're filling both buses. We may have to consider a big second bus. Would that make you happy? Wow. Would you say that was a successful 2022? What about this? During just this past year, we had a half a dozen men who had never given a Devo before or a lesson before, and they've stepped up and started doing them. How would that be? Would that make you happy? We had a half a dozen men that have never, ever given a lesson or Devo, and during 2022, they stepped up and did it. We'd be standing here with pom-poms, almost, not quite. Right? That'd make us happy, right? What about this? 
The four new classes that we needed last year in order to accommodate our growth wasn't really a problem because we had seven new teachers step forward looking for something to do. Would that make you happy? <laughs> you know, we got, the, we got so many teachers stepping forward that we've only got four classes back there and we're going to have to do something with these seven teachers because we've got too many people that want to serve. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, that would, that would be a good 2022. But see, the point here is made, and I, and I don't have to go on and on. Here's the point. Happiness doesn't just magically happen. That's the point. Just because it's a new year. Happiness doesn't just automatically happen. Happiness is not the product of happenstance. Success doesn't just all of the sudden just suddenly show up any more than new converts. And when is the last time we had 30 people walk through that door on a Sunday morning and say, I want to be converted? Never happened, has it? When's the last time we had 10 people walk through that door on a Sunday morning and say, you know what? I want to be converted. Tell me about Jesus. That just don't happen, right? No, it doesn't happen that way. And success doesn't suddenly show up that way either. You see, my point is, is that having a truly happy new year is not something that comes along by chance or accident just because somebody wishes it or hopes for it or desires it. It, it doesn't just happen. It's like, it's like a 60th or 70th wedding anniversary. It takes a lot of love. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of sacrifice. Listen, these people that have been married for 60 and 70 years, it doesn't just happen. You don't think, listen, some people, first six months of their marriage or the first year or sometime during the, the, the first 10 years, they struggle. When you bring two worlds together, it's a struggle, right? But these, these couples that have been married for 60 and 70 years and, and they've, they've lost children and they've faced financial ruin, and, and, and they've been through all of these, these incredible struggles. You don't think it's work? If you don't think it's work to stay married for 70 years, I don't know what planet you're on. Because it's work. But it's beautiful when it works, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? See that old couple walking down? I'm telling you, walking down through the mall, hand in hand. I said this a while ago in this congregation. One of the things I love the most is to see these elderly couples that walk down through the, the mall hand in hand. You know they've been married 50, 60, and you think of all the work and sacrifice. And I had one of our dear sweet sisters in this congregation said, well, part of that's because they can't walk without falling down anymore, and they need to lean on each other. And I thought, well, that's probably true, too. <laughs> but they still knew they could count on each other, right? Point is... Those things don't just happen. And the thing is, is all of those things I mentioned, wouldn't that make you happy if those are not going to just happen? Now, is it, is it still in the Bible that all things are possible with God? Is that still a scripture? So it's possible, but it's going to take some work. And so the question this morning is, not actually a question. Let me make it a statement. Where this congregation is one year from now will depend largely on the efforts of each and every individual member over the next 52 weeks. Is that fair? Is that a fair statement? If we do no more than we did in the previous year, we will find ourselves no further along or happier with the year's results than we are now 
when 2023 begins. In other words, if we all just do in 2022 what we did in 2021, then the church will remain the same as it's been in 2021 as well. Somebody once said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing the same way and expecting different results. As I said before, the key to having a truly happy new year, to guaranteeing it, to locking it in, the key to having a successful, fulfilling, truly happy new year as children of God is for us to take our growth to new levels, to take our service to new levels. It, it is going to take each one of us as individual members of the body of Christ to take our love, trust, obedience, knowledge of, and service to God to a whole new level. And brethren, that's one of the reasons for the new I Grow book. That's one of the reasons. Congregations spend a lot of money for those books. Those books are not there's not a, a, an age on them like, you know, must be 18, <laughs> okay? There's not an expiration date like people over 65 should not read this book. That book is for all of our young Christians, 15, 16, 17, 18. For all of our older Christians, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> and everything in between. It's to help all of us to grow, to be able to reach out to people around us, to grow more in our own faith. And so, in this new year, I hope you will take advantage of that opportunity. Having a truly happy new year, a successful year, as children of the living God in 2022 is totally up to each one of us, and it will not be found in the fact that it is simply another new year. If you, as a male member of this congregation, have never given a devotional, never taught a lesson, never taught a class, it's time. If you as a lady of this congregation has never taught a class, never helped with some of these outreach opportunities, never stepped up to serve in certain capacities, it's time. If you as, individual, as an individual have never been much involved in the fellowship or outreach opportunities of the church, it's time. If you have never or very seldom ever talk to somebody you know about Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. It's past time. If you have never led an in-home Bible study, if you have never led somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's time. I want to leave you with the words this morning which the Lord told Joshua. As Joshua entered a new, not a new year, but entered a new phase of his life and work in the Lord's service, this is what he was told. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And by the way, Happy New Year. <laughs> now, I don't say that as some whimsical wish that may or may not come true based on circumstance. I don't say it in that context at all. Happy New Year, I say as a statement of our successful God-given mission in 2022 to grow in the grace and the knowledge and the service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because that is the only way that we will be guaranteed, no matter what happens in the new year to come, that we will be happy throughout the year and happy when the year ends. Now, let's go make it a happy new year. And I can't think of a better way to start this new year and to make it any happier then to start off this Lord's Day, if you are somebody, maybe a young person raised in the church, maybe, maybe you're somebody here this morning that has been on the cusp of it for a while, whatever it may be, then to see you baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm not trying to rush you just because it's a new year. That's not my point. But if you're ready, why wait another Sunday? Why wait another Lord's Day? You know what you need to do. You know the Lord died for you. You've heard the word. You've believed it. You believe in Jesus. You know he's the Son of God. You're willing to, to confess him as Lord. I mean, you're in church, right? And, and you're willing to confess him, and, and you're willing to repent and turn your life over to him. Then why not be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins this morning? We're going to offer you that opportunity in just a moment, or, or maybe you're here this morning, and you've listened to the lesson, and you need to make a new start, a fresh start. You need to be stronger. You want to be happy over the course of this new year. You want this to be a wonderful year filled with happiness and success and leading people to Christ. And you just need the prayers of the saints to be stronger. That opportunity is yours as well. This morning, if you have any need that we can help with, please, right now, come let it, don't just sit there or stand there and sing. Come down and let us know. We're here to help. Right, church? Amen. Please come now as we stand and sing.